Today we are live at the Global Sin Gas Conference in San Diego, California with Shannon McAvoy, Business Development Manager for Flexitalic. How are you doing, Shannon? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you for taking some time. Yep. It's wonderful to be here with you today. So how are you feeling about the conference so far? I'm really enjoying it. The talks this morning have gone really well. They've been very insightful, picked up a lot of new messaging. So I think that that's great to hear. And it's been great to meet with some of the people who I've seen here from previous roles uh, and new faces as well. All right. Right. Great. Definitely understand that. So as Flexitalic, uh, uh, what exactly, can you explain to the listeners what exactly you do and your role with the company? Absolutely. Flexitalic is a gasket and seals solutions provider. They have, uh, our, one of our claim to fame is we were the original inventor of the spiral wound gasket, and that was invented in 1912. So we've been an industry leader for uh, over a century at this point. We provide gaskets and seals, like I mentioned. Traditionally, we have supplied into uh, oil and gas markets, petrochemicals, um, and kind of standard industry. My role is I'm a business development manager, and I am focused on what we've classified as new energy. So here at the Global uh, Technology, Syngas Technologies Conference, we're really looking at hydrogen and syngas applications. So one, one of those can be any type of hydrogen application, whether it's green or blue hydrogen. Um, we've been providing solutions for gray hydrogen in refineries and petrochemicals, ammonia and methanol for decades. And it's taking that knowledge of how we know how to seal hydrogen in those applications and transitioning it to this new energy space. So like I mentioned, new energy includes that green and blue hydrogen and green and blue ammonia. Um, any basically anything with green and blue in the title, honestly, carbon capture solutions. Um, I dabble a little bit in space exploration, um, as well as waste to energy type applications and plastics recycling. So my role kind of covers the gamut when it comes to what we consider new energy applications. So can you explain to the listeners the importance of seals and gaskets and the role that they play? So seals and gaskets, anytime you have a type of bolted assembly, so whether it's just two piping connections that you're bolting together, or if you're doing uh, piping to a reactor, complicated reactor configurations, um, heaters have different applications. Basically, anytime you have an ASME or just any type of bolted assembly flange, you'll have a gasket that goes in between the flange. There's different styles of flanges, uh, like flat face, raised face, um, that you can essentially mate together with different types of flanges to ensure that you don't have anything that leaks through that surface. The big thing about what we look at with gaskets is the types of materials. There's different styles of gaskets and there's different materials that can be used. So we talk about gaskets as kind of three broad styles. There's soft, uh, softer sheet gaskets, there's semi-metallic gaskets, and then there's hard gaskets. And Flexitalic is a supplier of all three. And within those types of categories, there's also different materials that are used. So in particular, when we talk about hydrogen applications, we have some materials that seal better than traditional applications. Like a traditional gasket material might be a graphite graphite based material. Flexitalic offers a curriculite and a thermiculite material that has a tighter sealing spacing essentially than what you would get with graphite. So standard graphite applications might seal to an order of magnitude on 10 to the minus third, whereas with thermiculite or curriculite you can seal much tighter into the range of like 10 to the minus sixth or 10 to the minus seventh. So I'm guessing it depends on the application, what you're using it for. So can you give me an example of where, you know, something like graphite might work within another application where it would be a bad fit? So 
Graphite, one of the reasons why thermiculite and curriculite came to be is because graphite can oxidize. So once you get above uh, high temperature, so once we get into like 500, 600 degree Fahrenheit range, graphite can oxidize uh, at those high temperatures. And so thermiculite comes from the mineral vermiculite. Um, and it's essentially a material that was invented so that you removed this oxidation risk and that you maintained your seal at those high temperature applications. So we actually can look at, you know, kind of picture a graph of different temperature and pressure properties. And so there would be ranges of temperatures and pressures that make sense to use one material versus another. Curriculite, for instance, is better in low temperature applications. Uh, its operating range is between negative 196 degrees Celsius to 260 degrees Celsius. And I apologize, I switch my units all the time. Um, but it has, uh, it has some binders in it that helps with the sealability of it. And so those could potentially volatilize off at higher temperatures. And so that's why the curriculite is designed to be in the kind of our lower temperature application range. The thermiculite material, it can operate all the way up to a thousand degrees Celsius. And it doesn't have, it essentially doesn't have those rubber binders. And so it's a material that can be used across that wider temperature range. So the curriculite would be better like a and like a cryogenic type of deal you would go cryolicolite or but the other one say the other one the other name again thermiculite thermiculite it's very creative naming thermiculite is just the vermiculite mineral that it comes from with a therm for the high temperature and curriculite the core comes from corrosion because it was originally designed to be a corrosion resistant material and in our r&d team found that in the development of this product, not only is it really great for removing galvanic corrosion, which is something that it can occur with uh, graphite type materials, especially when they're exposed to um, like saltwater oxygen type environments. Um, so that's where the corrosion resistance of curriculite came from. But the vermiculite, it's this mineral and it has a very high aspect ratio. It's essentially when I picture it, it's a bunch of different like planar shapes that are stacked on top of each other. And they are when they are under compression and just as they are naturally, they have this very high aspect ratio. So when we put them in a gasket or when we just use it as a sheet, there's a very long and torturous path that a molecule would have to travel in order to get through the material when you're leaking through the gasket shape. And so that's one of the reasons why it has such a low leak rate and why it's such a premier product is because you essentially have um, this very long, arduous process for a material to leak through comparative to other materials that are available on the market. Would it be suitable for to avoid hydrogen embrittlement? It's, so you still, depending upon, so the thermiculite and the curriculite may be used as filler materials. The thermiculite may be used as just a sheet gasket on its own, but you may also have metal components within the winding of the gasket. And so from that perspective, we would still have to evaluate each particular application to see if it was at risk for hydrogen and embrittlement. And then there are other metallurgical changes that we could make to make it suitable for those applications. But Flexitalic has in-house research and development, in-house engineering. So whenever customers come to us, we utilize the tools and the resources that we have. And it's, you know, our engineering team is a free service that we provide to our customers to make sure that we've designed an adequate gasket for their applications. And what are you seeing a lot of uh, questions? Like, what are a lot of companies, you know, reaching out about? In this day and age, uh, especially as we talk about the hydrogen economy, the energy transition, net zero applications, a lot of customers, especially some that may not be familiar with the, the legacy and the industry that we have 
in traditional oil and gas, a lot of it is just education on what do we know about sealing hydrogen. And by and large, the operating envelope for some of these newer technologies that go along with the energy transition, we really haven't adjusted the operating envelope outside of what we have seen in traditional oil and gas or petrochemicals. We still seal between 150 to 2,500 pound ASME um, flanges. We're still looking at temperature ranges that kind of run the gamut of cryogenic up to a thousand degrees Celsius. So it's all essentially we're looking at similar types of operating envelopes and the, me the media might be slightly different, but we've sealed hydrogen before. We've sealed syngas for going back for decades now. And it's just taking all of the learnings we have from our traditional business and applying them to these new energies. So is that the kind of role that you hope to play in the energy transition? Ceiling solutions? Absolutely. That's what we're aiming to do. Um, we have been an industry leader in traditional energy sectors, power energy, uh, oil and gas, petrochemicals, ammonia, methanol, those types of industries. And we're just going to translate our learnings from those industries to whatever the new technologies are that come about to shape our future. And the reality is it's likely going to be a bunch of different technologies that help pull together our future, whether it is the blue or green ammonia or different types of fuel cells and electrolyzers that may come about. We've got components and parts that can fit into all of those types of solutions. See, that's a good, because I was going to ask too, so something like, you know, a, a solid oxide, um, a solid oxide electrolysis, um, would there be a use for a gasket or a seal there? You're hitting close to my heart. Um, I spend actually a lot of my time talking with fuel cell and electrolyzer organizations, especially at the high temperature, because our thermiculite material, being that it's suitable for high temperature, is a great fit for those applications. So being um, in the manifolds and in the stacks of those solid oxide or molten carbonate type applications makes a lot of sense. Um, some of the lower temperature applications, uh, their stacks may use more of a rubber-based gasket in the stacks, and that's not exactly flexitalic spread and butter, but they still have the balance of plant where you may have all sorts of other ancillary connections, and that's where flexitalic is still a solutions provider. Is that, I mean, where you see the, the future going? I mean, as far as flexitalic, it's, it's becoming your bread and butter? Uh, so flexitalic is certainly being prepared for the future. We have... We have a strong backbone in the oil and gas industry, but as we look at how the world may transition, there are certainly places for lots of technologies to come into play, and I do think that it's going to be components of everything. I do think that we'll see different types of fuel cells and electrolyzers. I think there will be high temperature. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense for stationary power. I think like the PEM fuel cells and PEM electrolyzers make a lot of sense for smaller um, like vehicle transportation. And as we look at fuel cell and electric vehicles and things of that nature, but being at a conference like this, I also see how, you know, blue hydrogen makes a lot of sense as we retrofit existing equipment. Um, and making sure that, you know, as a whole, we're looking at how do we be more carbon neutral and potentially carbon negative going into the future as part of that net zero transition. I think that there's there's a space for all of these technologies to exist. Well, and speaking of blue hydrogen, I mean, what about carbon capture? Where, what's ceiling? What's the role there? So my background, I came from an oil and gas refinery. So carbon capture technology has been around for decades. We're just now applying it because it it wasn't cost effective in a lot of applications previously. So now that there's environmental drivers or legislative drivers that are going to drive carbon capture to occur, there's certainly 
means for our gaskets and seals to be used in those types of systems as well. A lot of them might be amine based. Um, if we're looking at a solvent type technology, there's also direct air capture that may or may not come about. Um, there are some plants that already are in existence. So that's another avenue as well. But I think all of these, as, as long as you're putting pipes together, you're putting processes and they have bolted connections, there's a place for flexitalic and the seals and gaskets that we can offer to to the industry and making sure that we maintain on top of our game, making sure that our research and development moves forward and that you know, we continue to attend conferences, uh, keeping, keeping in the know, I guess, with what's being developed in technology so that if for some reason something comes about that we don't have a solution for, we can bring that back and reevaluate if we need to come up with a new, a new type of technology to move forward as well. And that's a large part of what my job is. So... Shannon, I mean, Flexitalic is it's based in Houston, yes. right? So, uh, do you see a lot of business um, overseas, or, or do you mainly stick the U.S.? We do. So, though Flexitalic has their headquarters in Houston, we actually have production facilities in nine countries, and we have a global footprint. Um, so, we've got production in, of course, in the U.S. There's also production in Canada, the U.K., um, China, Thailand, Middle East. Um, so we do have quite the global footprint as we exist today. I think there's last count, there was like 13 or 1400 global employees. And we have recently acquired as of the end of last year, a service organization called Integra Technologies. And they fit into our kind of view of the future because they are their service organization and they're kind of a bolting technology organization. So they help, not only can we sell you the gasket, but we can help make sure that it's installed correctly. And that gives you total joint integrity, which is one of the things that we're looking to do as we power the future. And do you all offer any kind of uh, maintenance uh, services yourself? No. So that's, uh, as far as maintenance service within Flexitalic, we don't offer, Integra would be more the organization that takes care of that. Flexitalic does have some training opportunities that we provide to our customers. So we'll go out and meet with uh, folks in the field, um, pipe fitters or mechanical engineers and do different types of training. We can pull up, um, kind of got this great FADU training that goes through um, essentially how you, how you put wrenches on the actual bolts and you can see the different loads that are applied to gaskets. And if, if the load is being applied evenly across, um, you know, you can have different types of, depending upon what your flange looks like, you may, you know, simple flanges may have four bolts. You can go up to eight, 16, they get larger and larger, the bigger your flange faces and you do a star pattern as you're installing the gasket. So we can go through with guys in the field and watch as they put that together and make sure that everything is torqued appropriately and all of the proper forces are applied. And so that's a lot of what the training goes into is making sure that the installation of the gaskets are correct as well. If the gasket's installed incorrectly, what's the worst case scenario? Of like a full bore blowout would probably be the worst case scenario. Um, that would be very challenging to get just from a pure gasket failure, I suppose. Um, but essentially, I mean, if you have a piping connection and you have some sort of leak, depending upon what process fluid is leaking, um, you know, you could have something that becomes a jet fire. You could have uh, pool fire releases, um, you know, depending upon what temperature and pressure the fluid is. And then, you know, is, is it something that's toxic? Could you release, you know, something like you know, hydrogen sulfide and release a toxic cloud or chlorine gas? Um, so that's why making sure that these seals remain sealed is super important. 
And then as we get into, you know, higher temperature applications, there may be opportunities where you get, you know, bolts that relax over time. And then that can release some of the the forces that are supposed to be pressing the gasket. And then you can end up with uh, a release that occurs that way. Um, In my own experience, I've seen, you know, if you damage your flange face, if somebody accidentally hits it with a hammer and then you've got a little gouge in your flange face, that can cause a leak as well. And depending upon what that fluid is, uh, you can get releases that way as well. So there's a lot of different ways that um, you can see gaskets involved in failures. I'm, I'm of course, going to be biased. I don't think that necessarily it's always the gasket that was the failure because I work for a gasket manufacturer. A lot of times it's, you know, was it installed correctly? Was it even the right gasket for the service that it's in? Um, and things of that nature. So if we look at how gaskets fail, there's a bunch of different ways that you can get into it. Sometimes it, it may be the gasket. Most likely it's because it's installed in a service that it's not applicable for, or there could have been some sort of installation problem where maybe it wasn't aligned properly, um, or you didn't get all of the bolts tightened adequately, or you had you know crosstalk or, or something that occurred that essentially could have led to a release. Fair enough. And to kind of wrap things up, I'm just curious, this whole time I've been wondering, what, what is this, this presentation, the cardboard thing that you're sitting there? What, what is that? So we have a poster that we're presenting here. Um, and the, I think the poster is titled, How Do We Know That We're Sealing Hydrogen Effectively? One of the questions that we do get from customers is hydrogen is one of the, you know, it's a very small diatomic molecule. How do we ensure that we're sealing it effectively? How have we tested it? Well, hydrogen is flammable. And so oftentimes in the lab, we use helium or nitrogen as test gases. Nitrogen is obviously a much larger molecule than hydrogen, and so using it as compare, you know, comparable to hydrogen isn't necessarily adequate. Helium is small like hydrogen, and so there was a question of, is helium truly adequate? Can we trust those results? So the results that we're showing today are basically helium and hydrogen comparable tests with uh, four-inch spiral round gaskets using different types of fillers. We used our curriculite material, graphite material, and thermiculite to show that whether you test it with a hydrogen gas or you test it with a helium gas, you get comparable results. So we are confident that with the you know several decades of helium testing that we've done, those results are all going to translate to how effective gaskets are at sealing hydrogen. Because that's one of the things that customers have asked about. The other part of this is showing on the poster just the different leak rates that you get compared to um, when you compare different materials. So like I've mentioned, curriculite and thermiculite are two materials that seem really well suited towards syngas and hydrogen applications. Uh, standardized graphite will will seal, but it might have a higher leak rate. And so a lot of the time we talk to customers of what is truly tolerable. And with hydrocarbons, there's a lot of standards around uh, Eldar uh, here in the US and you know defined leak rates for what is a trigger point for resolving a leak. There isn't those types of standards yet for hydrogen. So a lot of these conferences, and as we go forward with this, they're going to determine what are the true standards for what's tolerable for hydrogen leakage. Um, And so those are some of the questions that Flex Italic also gets asked. Interestingly, to go into that, we we don't have the answer. We just know that we have the best in-class sealing materials. So depending upon what your threshold is for your tolerance for leaks, we can offer you perhaps a standard product or perhaps something that seals even better. Interesting. Okay, well, let me ask you before I do let you go. Uh, is there any closing thoughts, takeaways that you'd like to 
to give to our listeners? I think I think the big message is, is that hydrogen has been, you know, there, there are some who have fears about hydrogen, and that might be more of just the general population. I think folks in the industry know that hydrogen has been around for decades and that we have been sealing it adequately for years. But for anybody who's listening who might be new to the hydrogen space, this is a molecule that we've known how to seal. We've been using it in refineries since... Oh, at least the 1940s. Uh, early hydrogen plants, I think, were developed in the late 1950s after World War II. So this this technology and how we seal applications, there have been improvements made over the last couple decades. In fact, we came out with a new gasket, uh, our change gasket. Gosh, I think that was in 2010, 2012, somewhere in there. Um, that, that gasket is best for thermal cycling. But I think the broader message is we know how to seal hydrogen effectively. We just need to make sure that all of the learnings we currently have from existing industries transition to these new technologies as well. And by and large, I think conferences and shows like this, podcasts like this, do a great job of educating that we know what we're doing. We have best-in-class technology. Let's continue to use it. You all heard it. Um, we have gotten the green check mark from Shannon. Thank you for taking some time um, at the conference to speak with us and to our audience. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in for another episode. Please remember to share and subscribe.